Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to be with you. Uh, it is me, Brother Swenson, again. <laughs> And uh, super excited to be here with uh, Sister Emma Troutman. Uh, we've had on the podcast before, but spent some time back in the Old Testament, I think, was the last time we had you. Yeah. Yeah, so welcome back. It's good to have you here. Thank you. You uh, have some exciting things going on in your life. Tell us a little bit about what's going on. Yes, I am 36 weeks pregnant. So yeah, if yeah. I start crying randomly, <laughs> it's probably not related <laughs> so much to Scripture as it is to that. So exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Doing four weeks, three, four weeks. And, yeah. And... Uh, get to take some maternity leave with your sweet little one yes very boy or girl do we know no we decided to wait and be oh, surprised really i know we're crazy that's but exciting. it's been really really fun that's We've super fun well uh exciting for you guys and, and looking forward to to seeing you in that chapter of your life and thank you you and your good husband uh for those that remember uh Emma and Cody were on in the Old Testament. We actually had them on together. Yeah. You did an episode together, which is super fun. Yes. Have the three of us chatting for a while. Um, but you're both so good. I thought, well, we could, <laughs> we could split this up and have you do two weeks. And, uh, and so you're this week and your husband's going to be next week. But we actually recorded your husband first. <laughs> and so we were just talking before we hit record that it's kind of funny in that episode. I couldn't remember whether your episode comes first or his episode comes first. And so next week when you hear the episode come out, you'll hear us kind of trying to figure out what, who's first and who's second. So anyway, uh, it's so good to have you here. Um, we are going to just jump in, if that's okay. We're, yeah. uh, we're going to finish out Acts today, chapter 22 to the end. And uh, we talked a little bit before we hit record, but not much. So I would just love to turn time over to you and and guide us through a discussion in, in Acts. I know, I, I, I kind of will warn the, the listeners that you and I both really like the end of this block. Yes. Um, you know, there's a lot in the end of this block. So we may do a little less in the beginning of this um, while Paul's in jail and kind of going through some yeah. trials, but, uh, but we're going to spend some time at the end. But take us in. Where, where should we start? Um, well, yeah, I think just like by way of summary, and, and I think Come Follow Me does a great job of kind of summarizing 22 through... 26. Sure. But basically, Paul is spending intermittent periods of time in prison yeah. with various people and and experiencing just like the expected persecution, I guess, yeah. of, of the day, and especially as a Christian. I do think it's so interesting, though, to know, like sometimes when we are reading these, because we're reading it in a book, we look at this and we go, isn't it like so bizarre that these people were literally like, they were making such a big deal over what somebody believed, sure. you know? Right. Like, yeah. they're imprisoning him, they're taking him before all of these leaders, right. they're trying to get rid of him. Yeah. All because he did not align with what they believed. Right. And sometimes you, when you read that, you're like, this just seems like a little <laughs> bit of an overreaction, you right. know? Yeah. <laughs> like, was yeah. he really that much of a threat? Yeah. But it's such a reminder, though, that 
that there is an adversary that is working against the good. And, and regardless of the time period, Christians have faced incredible persecution yeah. for what they believe. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say is, you know, we, we live in a time now where even as Christians, I think we, we're so quick to throw somebody else under the bus yes. when, when they don't believe like we believe or they yes. don't think like we, in politics especially, right? Not that not that there isn't some crazy going on, but, right. but too often we lump everybody in on one side or the other side as all the same. And, yes. and, and so whatever crazy might exist gets put on everybody. And I, I think... Maybe that was some of what was going on here, right? Is is yeah. there were some really zealous people um, that uh, were were being treated in a very specific way, and maybe everybody was kind of getting lumped in there as a as a Christian. But yeah, um, in these verses, really, this is about the time where we start uh, in these first chapters here. We start kind of recognizing Christian people. Yes, um, they're they're kind of identified now as a Christian type of person, and, and maybe I'll just share at the beginning of. Uh, chapter 22, um, we really get uh, Paul's account of his own conversion, which yeah. which is interesting because we've read it um, back earlier in Luke. Uh, Luke kind of gives a description of Paul's conversion, his, yes. his road to Damascus, right, experience. And there's some discrepancies between the two experiences. So I might just point to chapter 22 of Acts 6 through maybe 21 mm -hmm. to go and look at and compare to what you read in uh, Luke back when we were studying that a little bit. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Uh, Doctrine and Covenants section 9 verse 7 also has some things that maybe help clarify the experience that he had there. But but anyway, I don't want to spend too long in, in any of this. We just wanted to point to some experiences he was having in yeah. prison is 22. He's smitten. Uh, in 23, he had, he's just kind of constantly going through these experiences, not to Rome yet, trying to get himself to Rome, right? Yes. Um, and, and being told, like he was told by God that that is somewhere he was going to yeah. preach and teach. Yeah. And I, you can imagine that as Paul in these experiences, there were probably some moments where he was like, am I... <laughs> going to get to like is this gonna be a, yeah. a next life thing you know like and it, that happens sometimes in our life you know we might be promised something right. and it just does not yeah I mean seem like our path is leading us for there. sure I mean he's in he's in prison in 22 he's smitten by Ananias and 40 Jews plot his death in 23 yeah. and like there, this isn't like a Hey, he's accused of sedition in 24. I mean, it's yeah. like everything is getting thrown at him to stop him from doing that thing. Right? Yes. And, uh, and, and and we talked just before we hit record that maybe there's a message there. Maybe we can kind of flesh this out as we go today. But the idea that in our lives we get a call. We mm -hmm. have, what, right, missionary for sure opens a letter. Yeah. And and it's tough to get out on a mission. It's, maybe the adversary pushes a little harder right before you go. I know it's hard to go to the temple sometimes for the same reason. But I wonder sometimes if we ignore the lessons we can learn in the preparation for yes. even receiving our call or getting to the place we're supposed to go and serve. You know, for me, I think I'm, I'm 45 and in the middle of my life, I'm trying to figure out exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Right? Like, what, okay, yes. why, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? <clears throat> and, uh, you know, the, the eternal scope I have, but what can I do on earth that is, right? And so as I'm waiting to really understand my call, I kind of put off the experiences that I'm having as yeah. 
not really growth, but just like, hey, I have to go through this, and then I'll figure out what I'm supposed to do. Almost like a checkbox right. type thing. Yeah. yeah. But the reality is, is those things are probably preparing me for what I'm going to do when I actually am given yes. that task, right? Yes. So, and and the, like, those um, almost like, you think about Adam and Eve in the, in the garden, and the preparation that they experienced before they even left right. with even like the making of the coat of skins sure. like before we send you yeah. out. Right. Now, they had a world to populate. They had, a, you know, the, to be the pioneers of mortality. Sure, right? So big, big tasks ahead of them. But how critical were even those seemingly small like preparatory right. pieces? And I think yeah. it's very much the same in our lives. We might be really quick to jump to trying to figure out yeah. or arrive at like, this is my purpose exactly. and I'm doing it and I'm living it and I'm loving it. Yeah, exactly. Instead of like, perhaps the whole journey is the purpose. Right, it, yeah, and, and I, think, I think of our young adults in particular going through such formative things, right, where they're, they're getting married and they're figuring out careers and they're all these things. Yeah. And I think it's really easy to say, this is a pretty common concept, right? When I get that thing, then I'll be happy, right? When I yes. get there, then I will have accomplished that and I will know what next. As opposed to recognizing that the journey to it um, is really a journey through it, right? Yes. And, and I think as we go through the experiences of becoming a music teacher or becoming a scientist or whatever you're going to school in, you're actually becoming something as opposed to getting the credential that says I am something, right? Exactly. And, and I think we, we look so badly towards the I am that we forget that we're supposed to become in the process. And, and that's ultimately the Lord's plan for us too, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I think we see that really, like following Paul's experience, you see that really beautifully yeah. written in yeah. like these books as you're like, you get to know him pretty well yeah. as you get go through these chapters and his experiences from the road to Damascus until um, the end of his life. And you do see, like, were his major purposes accomplished? Yes, they, they did end up, you know, he accomplished everything that God wanted him to do. Yeah. But who he became along the way was so much more than just, like, the singular moment on the road to Damascus or when he finally gets to Rome. Right. like. You and I think we find a lot more of ourselves in his journey. Yeah, in too. the process to become, right? Yes. It's President Nelson's invitations for us to know who we are. Yes. Where we're going. Who are you supposed to become, right? If I don't have that as my objective, then I will think that I will become that later, right? I'll, I'll yeah. get there later when I die, and then. But in the process of living, you know, we we have these experiences that should be teaching us to become not. As a as an afterthought, oh yeah, I became that, right? Exactly. If we looked at them that way, just a just a thought as I'm as I'm saying that I'm glancing down. I'm looking at chapter twenty five of Acts. Uh, Festus was somebody that King Agrippa um, t uh, went and saluted. And when we look at chapter twenty five, verse thirteen, after a certain days, King Agrippa. So sorry, Paul's in jail. Yeah, he's being held captive, right? Uh, after certain days, King Agrippa and Bernice came unto Caesarea to salute Festus. When they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king, saying, There is a certain man left in bonds by Felix, 
about whom when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me, des uh, desiring of me to judge against him. To whom I answered, it is not the manner of the Romans to deliver any man to die before the which is accused of the accusers face to face. So it, it, it's just, it's telling, I think, of, of what we're talking about here. Yeah. That, that it, he's like forgotten in jail, right? <laughs> Poor guy. I mean, it's like, <laughs> oh, hey, it's been many days. And all of a yeah. sudden he's like, hey, by the way, there's this one guy in jail that like I thought about and I was supposed to judge him, but I'm like, I'm not into that, right? Like, yeah. meanwhile, Paul's in jail going, Lord, what am I here to do, right? Yeah. Waiting to get released. But there was probably something in that experience of being in jail that Paul was learning and developing and becoming, right? Yes, absolutely. And then I think, you know, moving into 26, so he has this conversation yeah. with King Agrippa, Paul does. Yeah. And, and he, and if you're looking in verses um, 9, 10, and, and 11, yeah. more or less, he has an opportunity to speak to part of this journey that he's been on. Yeah. And like, this is who I was and... And it's similar to who you are, you yeah, know, like right. we, you and I are, are on a similar journey, yeah. Agrippa, and you can, this is who I used to be. This is who I am now. And, and Agrippa is obviously touched by this and moved sure. by this experience. Yeah. And, and even though like Paul's journey is not complete yeah. here, right? Like he has not fully become everything he's going to become. But where he's at is enough yeah. for this moment to happen with Agrippa, where Agrippa says in 28, you almost have me convinced right. yeah. to be a Christian, Yeah, which is so impressive because I, I think sometimes, too, we worry that, that we don't have anything to contribute until we've arrived sure. at that I am right. phase. Well, and what's so interesting is what Paul does to get to that point where he's almost convincing King Agrippa, right? He says, like, let's go back up to verse 9. He says, I verily thought my, with myself uh, mm. that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, yep. having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. I'm the one that, like, accused them, right? Yeah. Uh, and I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. So so Paul is using even his the way he was prior to his mission to help King Agrippa see that you can change, you can become something else. And yes. I think so much of the young missionaries, for example, that are that are going out or, or anybody really going on a mission who's afraid of that they're not worthy. Um, afraid that their life has led them down a path that like maybe it isn't very valuable. I remember serving a mission with some guys that came out a little later, yeah. 23, 24 years old when they started yep. their mission. And those guys had had some life experience. I just did not have at 19. Yeah. Right? And, and they could teach a lesson that I couldn't teach. Yes. Uh, they could share a message that I didn't have. Yes. Uh, they had a testimony that I didn't hadn't, hadn't really needed to develop at that point. I hadn't gone through anything at that point. Yeah. And not that a young missionary can't do it. But man, that, those guys had some experiences, and that's really what Paul's using here. He's saying, "Look, I I was like you, King. I had yeah. this I had this disdain for for members of the church and kicked against it, and then I had a wake up moment. Literally, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally for him. I also I love what he says too. Um, just in verse twenty two. 
like having obtained help of God, I continue to this day. Yeah. Like this is something that was not just a change the moment for yeah. him. Like it continually is changing the direction right. of his life. And and he plans on continuing to let it change him. It, recognizing my story is, is not done being written with this. Right. But this is how far I've come. And this is what I do know. And this is what I can bring to you. Yeah, it, it really is beautiful. The, the language that he uses to try to convince the king. Yeah. He, he does say, it, this is an interesting note, he, in 12 through 21, he describes for the king his road to Damascus experience, right? Yeah. Where he goes through and explains that he's seen uh, the Savior appeared to him. And, but it's interesting, there's a line in there in verse 14, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why per- persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I think as I hear that statement that I, I think of so many in the church or, or leaving the church that, it, that have to work so hard at fighting against it and, they, and they, there's so much to defend and, and, the, and there's so much peace to just not, yeah. to just walk. If you're going to walk away, walk away, but nobody can do that. It doesn't seem like anybody can just walk away. It's so hard to kick against it. Yes. Because you constantly have to be seeking for wicked and righteous people, right? And you you have to like keep wounds open. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like that's well said. You have to remain in that raw state yourself right. to be kicking against those pricks. Right. And looking for opportunities to do that. Yeah, so just the Savior's invitation and by asked by say, stating that statement it's hard for thee. Why are you doing this? It's making yeah. your life harder. I think of a couple of people I know that, that have left the church, and it is like every day just some post and some some statement that they need to make to bring other people down. And how do you feel good about yourself if that's what you're doing in your life? Just like you're constantly in this negative space. And yes. It seems so strange to me that uh, so many are that way. But, but then his invitation, rise and stand upon thy feet. Yes. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. So there is maybe the, the tie-up to this conversation about preparing to serve a mission, right? Yeah. Obviously, the experiences he had from probably pre-Damascus to yeah. Damascus and then beyond to Rome, it's kind of like he got a mission call to go to Rome. And yeah. then the next, I don't know how many years it is, but the next <laughs> few years, he's like beaten to just get himself to Rome, right? Yes. And, um, and I think the Savior's saying that process from here to there and beyond is the process that you're supposed to be on. So stop doing what you're doing and yes. stop looking at it as this very difficult thing in your life. Just keep moving. Yes. Right? Which is going to become really valuable when you get to 27. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite. Yeah experiences with him so just a little background um they are finally going to take paul to rome yeah they've like they're going to take him to stand um and with some other prisoners obviously as well but they're all they're going to take these prisoners to rome to stand trial there and i'm sure that at this point paul's thinking it's happening you know like this is the moment but we have all of 27 to get through before and 28 yeah and it's interesting too because i think if you go back to when 
King Agrippa shows up to Festus. He's the governor of the area. Back in 25, Festus said, King Agrippa, all men which are here pre present with us, you see this man about whom all the multitude of the Jews have dealt with me. Mm -hmm. Effectively, 25, 25 says, I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death. Yes. So now, King Agrippa, you look at him. King Agrippa yes. then says in 26, um, he's asked a question. King Agrippa, believest thou that the prophets, I know that thou believest, Paul says, right? He's like yeah. very direct. I know you believe. And then in 28, almost thou, pers thou per persuadest me to believe it, be a Christian. So, so close. He's so close. But then by the end of 26, he says, this man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, this man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. So we have to take him. Yeah. He has to go to Rome. Yeah. Dang it, Lord, the, the plan worked. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. So, so he is taken as a prisoner. Right. He's taken and, and they get into, you know, they get onto this ship. I love, I think it's so interesting too how much detail that they put yeah. into this story. Yeah. Um, but they get on the ship and they, they begin sailing. Yep. Um, and they get to like their first kind of, Layover, for lack of a better term. Sure. Right? We don't sail anymore, so we're right. going to use the term layover. Yeah. What would you call that in sailing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> sail over. What do you do when, you, when, you, when you're on a cruise? Is it, are they just stops? Ports. ports. Yeah, this ports. Is port. This is yeah, the first port. <laughs> and and it, it says in verse 9, Now, when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, huh. because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said, Sirs, mm. <laughs> I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage yeah <laughs> not only to the landing in the ship but also of our lives like i love that he's just like um hey hey, <laughs> hey this is really dangerous what i don't think right we here. should sail and and this is like um you know they obviously would have known the tides and the seasons right. and whatnot and paul's like this we should not continue and they do nevertheless in verse 11 the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship he's like whatever yeah. We're, we're moving on. We're, yeah. We've got to get to Italy. So they go, and in, if you jump to verse 14, not long after, <laughs> there arose against them a tempestuous wind called the Euroclidon, which is like our equivalent of El Nino. Right. You know, like this was known. They knew it was happening, yes. and yet they still just sailed straight into it, right? And maybe it was a pride thing. Like, we're not going to listen to a prisoner. Like, yeah. we, we're just going to go. Yeah. And, and it very quickly starts to go very yeah. south. Yeah for them like they are are having to undergird the ship which is like you know they're tying it with ropes to sure. try and keep the ship together yeah. you can imagine <laughs> i mean i've never been on a boat in this kind of conditions but i've been on a few rough rides where you know you you kind of worry it like was the boat made for this yeah right and either way they're having this really really hard time and Apparently, Paul just hasn't said anything because then yeah. you get to verse 21 and Paul, again, finally, after long abstinence, Paul stands in the midst of them and says, sirs, you should have hearkened to me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Which I, I just love that moment. I'm like, yeah, can like, we watch that on instant replay? Yeah, it's so crazy. They throw out even the tackle, uh, the tackling of their ship, right? Yeah. The, like the, this is how you tie your mast down and stuff. Yes. They had to lighten the ship so much in verse 19 they're just chucking the stuff they need. Literally. And then to get to 21, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, sirs, you should have hearkened unto me 
and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. Like wow. I told you exactly. But here's what I think is so interesting about this. One, Paul is on this sinking ship too. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. And perhaps there was... I mean, obviously, before they even left Crete, he was like, um, there's going to be damage not only to the ship, but our lives. Right. Like In danger. We are going to be in danger. Yeah. But Paul uses this opportunity to, I, like, I just love this pattern of like, okay, what can we do yeah. when, yeah, we should have stayed in Crete, but sure. we didn't. Now right. we are, right. we're, we're in the middle of this storm. We don't know where land is. So what can we do? Um, and so looking in verse 22, I love that he's like, be of good cheer. <laughs> but he makes this promise, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but we're going to lose the ship. <laughs> just so you know. Right. Just, like, just be aware. Be of good cheer. You're going to live. Just know right now the ship is not. But I love he has, so in verses 23 um, through 26, we get to see some like really key points yeah. of Paul's testimony. He says, first in 23, okay, there was an angel that came to me, an angel from God, whose I am and whom I serve. So mm. he's like, I know who I serve. Mm. I know who I belong to. Mm. So I'm trusting the information that I have been given. Right. So the angel tells him to fear not you are going to be brought before Caesar. So not only does he believe like, okay, I belong to God mm -hmm. and he has a, like, I'm going to serve him. I also believe what he tells me. Yeah. And if he says I'm going to be brought before Caesar, gosh darn it, right. I'm going to be brought before Caesar. Yeah, I, I don't know how many out there um, are on missions right now. I remember being set apart as a missionary and being promised some pretty cool things. Yes. Reading the patriarchal blessing, knowing yes. certain things that, that were going to happen. Paul is a really great example here of saying, these things are told to me, and I know that they're going to come to pass, and yes. I'm going to just act as if. It, yes. And, and because of that, he was able to accomplish a lot because he was willing to just move. And keep moving, even if it didn't. He knows he's going to lose his ship. Twenty-six. Yeah. Howbeit, we must be cast upon a certain island. He knows he's yeah. gonna, the ship is getting lost, right? Yes. But he knows that even though that's going to happen, he can still accomplish the task he was sent to do because it was promised of him, right? Yeah. And he says in verse twenty-five, "I believe God." Yeah. And I think that is so important too, whether it's in a setting apart blessing as a missionary or something in your patriarchal blessing that just. Does, you just cannot see how yeah. that thing, like it was when I was set apart, I served in Texas and um, I was told in my setting apart blessing that I would be able to teach and bring people to mm. the light and truth of the gospel. And uh, <laughs> Texas is the Bible Belt and <laughs> any other anybody listening to this that served in Texas we did not teach very often in sure. my mission. Like it was really, really hard to find people to teach. And mm. I remember sitting there one day, like my mom had printed off my setting apart blessing for me, mm -hmm. bless her. Mm -hmm. And I was reading it and just in tears and mad mm. because I was like, this is not, I am, this is not happening. Yeah. Like I am not bringing anyone any closer. Sure. Like we knock empty doors for eight hours a day, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I had such a, myopic view of my current situation. Mm -hmm. But then 
I could also look at my patriarchal blessing and see some of the things that were promised to me that he had been good on those promises. So why wouldn't he be good on this one? And eventually, by the end of my mission, yes, I did teach. Few, but I did teach. And I was able to bring people to that truth. And I love here that Paul, regardless of what is going on around him, he really does believe the promises of God. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a word missing that I'm glad is missing because it teaches us a different principle. In verse 25, wherefore sirs be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told to me. I think too many of us insert the word in. I believe in God. Yes. And so because I believe in God, these things are going to happen. Do um, uh, Brother Robinson wrote a, a wonderful book called Believing Christ. Oh, right. Yes. Which, which is which is so groundbreaking in that idea that. It's one thing to believe Christ, believe in Christ. It's a totally different thing to believe in Christ yes. right? and believe what he's saying. Yes. Right? And, and I think this principle is taught here, for I believe God. He told me these things through an angel, and I believe that they're going to happen. And because of that belief, I don't have to have, I don't have to worry. I can just continue to get up and go and do. It's Nephi, right? Third Nephi 3.7. I will go and do, right? Yes. But... But Nephi didn't didn't know every moment what he was going to do. In fact, the first two times you could look at it as a complete failure, he went into town. I don't think right. it was. Right. I think God was setting up exactly his success. Right. Yes. The, the first time he sets it up so that that according to the law of Moses, if you if you this is back in Deuteronomy, maybe chapter thirteen, um, if if someone falsely accuses you of stealing. And then says they're going to kill you because you stole. You're within your rights to have that person killed legally according to the law of Moses. So, so the first time he goes in, God sets yeah. it up so that Laban can be killed legally according to the law. Second time he goes in, he actually steals his stuff. So he's, he, he validates it, right? Yeah. But think about that even more. What, what happened when he went in the second time? Well, he takes the stuff out of his house, takes it over and gives it to Laban. It's now in Laban's coffers, right? Yeah. What is there nine, 11 years later when, when Laban and Lemuel don't want to go? What is there to go back to? There's nothing to go back to. They gave yes. it all away. There's zero wealth for them back in Jerusalem. So, yes. so in the first two failures, I'm doing air quotes as we say yeah. failures, right? Yeah. The Lord fully provided that Laban and Lemuel would go and that Laban could be killed legally. Nobody thinks that, hey, those were failures when you look at it like that. Exactly. The third time, Nephi even says, I'm going in and I have no idea what was going to happen before I get there, right? (laughs) Yes. Does that mean that the Spirit wasn't with them in all of those choices they were making? No. They had the Spirit with them every day. They were making the best choices they could. They lived with the gift of the Holy Ghost present with them. Yes. And because of that, they didn't have to receive goosebumps to know what they should Mm. do. Just like Paul. Excellent point. I know that God's going to make this happen. I'm going to crash a ship on an island, and yep. we're all going to almost die, but none of us are going to die. <laughs> if you listen to me, none of us yeah, will die. Because God said we're not going to die, right? So yeah. I believe God. This is going to happen. I have no idea how it's going to happen. I think so many times we think, because God said this is going to happen, I have in my head how that's supposed to look. Like a singular line exactly. from point A to point B. Exactly. And it's more like a zigzaggy line. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as we, as you started talking about Paul's journey here, we think sometimes about, I don't know, maybe, maybe as members of the church, we think about us driving down the freeway, right? Yes. We're trying to stay on the straight and narrow. We're just Very moving really fast, right? Yeah. 
occasionally you and I hit an off-road, off-ramp, and we take the off-ramp, right? And it takes us away from the straight and narrow path, and we get back on the on-ramp, right? We just yeah. off, and then we're back on. Sometimes it's one of those, like, curly off-road, oh, off-ramps that just yeah. takes you, like, out and for, weirdly, this big, giant circle, yeah. and we come back to where we started, right? Salt Lake is the worst for that, yes. <laughs> right. For those of you in Salt Lake, yeah, we yeah. still believe it. That's true. <laughs> um, but, but I just wonder sometimes if we get so distracted when we're on one of those things that we stop believing God yeah. and, and we, we think we're so far off the path, how could I possibly get back on? Yeah. And we forget that if I just turn to the Lord and I just stay doing the right thing, that road eventually comes back and it leads me right back to the path. Exactly. And I don't have to get off on off-ramps and off-roads and find my own way. The Lord's path, if I just stay on it, will circle back and I'll come back to where I was supposed to be yes. to begin with. And the Lord's path... It's okay if there's traffic. Yeah. It's okay if there's construction. Right, right. <laughs> you know, like it's not just going to be cruising along at 80 or exactly. 90 if you're in Utah miles right. an hour, right? <laughs> you're not just, that's not it either. And, and so I think sometimes we panic when we're on the path yeah. because we're like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is this what it's supposed to look like? Wait a minute. I'm like? only going three miles an hour. Yeah. I'm stopped and why did that jerk cr- cut me off? Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're like, then you start to question, how oh, is this really the fastest way? Is this really the best way? Right. And then maybe we take a detour thinking that we somehow know better. Yeah, it's the, it's the, the bishop who didn't quite understand makes yeah. an offensive statement, cuts yep. me off. I decide I'm looking at the mountains off to my left. I could go worship God better up there. Yep. And I don't need to go to church anymore, right? And we take the off-road. And, uh, and we head up into the mountains on our own and forget that the safety of the freeway is that we're all moving the same direction. And I know there's no one coming the other direction yes. right at me, right? So the safety true. in the body of the, of the group moving collectively down the road that has been laid for Albeit you. Albeit imperfectly. Right? I get, off the, I get off the path to the left up to the mountains and I have no idea if I'm going to have a mountain goat running right at me when I turn the so corner, true. right? And just, um, we just end up in all kinds of our own problems when we take our own roads. Well, and we even see that in 27. So just a few verses down in verse 28 um, or verse 29, they're still like... They're still being tossed by this storm. Yeah, 27 right? says they're 14 days in. Yeah, and this right? is, and it's not letting up, and yeah. it is just rough. So then in verse 29, it says, Then fearing, lest we should have fallen upon the rocks, they cast four anchors and wished for the day. They're like, okay, we're just going to stop. <laughs> hope for tomorrow. And hope that tomorrow <laughs> things get better. 30, and as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, they had let down the boats, their safety boats, their whatever, into the mm-hmm. sea, and they were going to leave. Like, it's obviously not, and Paul said the ship wasn't going to make it. So, yeah. like, what are we still doing here? Right. But then Paul says to them, except you abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. You mm-hmm. have to stay here. Like, yeah. you cannot leave. And I love that the soldiers then, I mean, obviously, Paul, has, his testimony it was powerful enough that they start to listen because then they just cut the ropes right. to the safety boats. Yeah. They're like, okay, yeah, we're going to remove temptation. Then we're going to cut and let the boats float away so that we have to stay in this ship. Yeah. But I just, I love that in verse 31 because like you were saying, there is safety. Yeah. And even though, yes, ultimately the ship is going to be wrecked. If that's where, like, we have to trust though. Yeah. 
that he still knows best. Right. And if he's telling us to stay in the ship now, we need to stay in the ship now. Yeah. And maybe the traffic will clear, maybe the whatever, you know, yeah. but like right. it we have to yeah. We have to believe God. Yeah, and, and I think there's something here about prophets too, right? That, that Paul, oh, obviously, yes. right, is receiving revelation, and it's very evident in 32, the soldiers cut the ropes of the boat and let, the, let her fall off. Yeah. But it's interesting too that, that you know, I, I think that, well, before I go too far, 31, except these abide in this ship, you cannot be saved. There's a message ringing in my head from um, President Ballard Oh, yeah. Wasn't Where, it called Stay in the Boat? Yeah, Was that Stay the in the name Boat, of his right? That talk. talk. Yeah. And, um, and, and I think there's, there's something there to tie together. So if you're out there listening and want to read that talk, there's something there to help us understand the principle of staying in the boat. But, yes. but beyond that, when we get into 33... While the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that thou have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. So they were obviously fasting to have the storm go away. Yeah. Right? Wherefore, I pray you, in verse 34, to take some meat, for this is for your health, for there shall not a hair fall from your head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in presence of all, them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Now, in my head, I have this little tiny boat being tossed around, right, in my brain. <laughs> I know, this imagery is fantastic. Yeah. And then 36, then they were all of good cheer and they all took some meat. We're all happier after a <laughs> right. snack. And now, 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 this is the crazy part. And we were in all in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. Yeah. 276 people are in this boat. It's not Paul and like four or five like decades. No. It's a it's giant a, group yes. of people yes. that are all afraid for their lives. So fast forward to when they were supposed to have landed. I'm sure they didn't plan for a two-week storm. No. Right? So maybe they're fasting because they're righteous and they want God to prevail, right? But probably they're fasting because they don't have two extra weeks of food. Yeah. Right? And so Paul going to them and saying, eat, you're going to be okay. Go ahead and yes. eat. It'll be fine. 276 people eat, that's all the food gone. Exactly. Right? Like pretty quickly. Yes. Um, they lightened the ship by eating, right? The next yep. verse, they, they had eaten enough. They lighted the ship and cast out the weed into the sea. We don't need this. When it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore into which they were minded, if it were possible to thrust in the ship. I love this, because this is like one of those moments where you're like, oh, I think I see the light at the end of the tunnel right. here. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's like, well, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so they see it. And they take up the anchors, right? And they're, and they're committed to this. They're like, I think yeah. this is where we're going to get to some land. They're making their way toward shore. But, joke's on them, verse 41, <laughs> it's the place where two seas meet. Yeah. And so it runs the ship aground. Yeah. And this is the waves, you can imagine, of two seas meeting on a stuck ship. Like, it is beating the oh, ship. Yeah. Which is already probably pretty beaten up from right, sure. a two-week storm. Yeah. And this is Paul's prophecy coming through. Like when he said, we're going to lose the ship. Yeah, that's now. Like we're losing it now. Yeah. It is breaking apart in the violence of the waves in verse 41. Right, right. And so I love that this is one of those like, sometimes we do that too, right? We're like, oh, I've like made it through this trial. I've made right. it through this hardship. And then there's like, and one more thing. Right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. uh, well. Well, it's interesting because he says in there that they didn't see the land. Right? It yeah. was, we, we, it was 39. And when it was day, they knew not the land. They couldn't see yep, the land. Yeah, they couldn't see that. But they discovered a certain creek. So 
when you learn that the two oceans are meeting, the two seas are meeting, you, you maybe you've seen that where the colors of the water change. Yes. Right? There, there's, a, there's a stark difference, and there's kind of this river running between the two. And so that's what they saw. They saw this, this oh, we're going to follow that, and it'll lead us to land. So they do that. I, I love in 40... There's some really cool principles about trusting God. Oh, I know. E even though they're about to crash their ship, right? Yes. Like, it's going to go down. Isn't that what they were taught by Paul was going to happen? Yeah. Right? So they're thinking in their head, ooh, look at this river. We're going to take this river, and then we'll be saved. Yeah. No. If you're Paul, you're on the river going, crap, I wonder what's next, right? Yeah. Where's At this some point, we got to lose this <laughs> right? ship. So, part so of this. Paul and anyone that was trusting a prophet would say, okay, this is going to lead to something that loses us the ship. So, but everybody else is like, yeah, sweet. This is our, our freedom. Yeah. Right? So listen to these verse, this verse, verse 40 of chapter 27. When they had taken up the anchors. So I first off, they lift verse. their anchors. They let, they let God prevail. Yep. They committed themselves unto the sea. Maybe we replace the such, word sea with God. Yeah. Right. Such a beautiful phrase. Right? Take up your anchors. And commit. Commit to God. Yep. Then listen. Come what may. They loosed the rudder bands. He's going to steer. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to steer this. Yep. God's going to take me now, right? And hoist up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore. They just lifted the sail. They said, I know this is going to help me move whatever direction you want me to, yep. God. I'm just going to lift all the, all the things that are me steering and let you take the wheel. Jesus, yes. take the wheel, This right? is such that moment. And, uh, and they do. And then they just wreck their ship. And, right? it, and I... I just feel these verses on such a deep level <laughs> because so then the soldiers council was to kill the prisoners, right? Yeah. Because they're like, heaven forbid they escape. Right. Like, that's what you're worried about right, right. now. Anyway, <laughs> but one of the centurions is like, no, we at least need to save Paul because yeah. this guy knows what's up. And so Paul says, okay, if you can swim, then you should probably start swimming. Yeah. But the rest of you... Uh, grab a board, grab a log, grab right. a Whatever's barrel, floating. yeah, something, and on some broken pieces of the ship, they escaped all safe to land. Yeah, I just I love that because I can count on maybe one hand, probably two fingers, the number of times in my life I have ever arrived where God wanted me to be gracefully. <laughs> it usually looks like this. Like, flailing about yeah. with your front end stuck, 41, right? <laughs> yeah. the, front, the, the ship the, the yeah. ship ran aground, the four parts stuck fast, and the back end was being broken, broken. apart by the waves. Yeah, that, <laughs> you want to know how I show up places. <laughs> that is it. I, and I just, I remember reading this a couple of years ago when we were studying the New Testament and going, I've never related more. Oh, right? <laughs> but I think it's such a beautiful, like, like that was God's plan. Yeah. That was how he, and they weren't even, they're on the island if you look at the beginning of verse 28. They're still not even, by the way, in Italy. No. Like they're, they're on the island of Melita. Mm -hmm. Still not to Rome. Mm. We're still not totally like, we haven't arrived, mm. but we see like these, the hand of God in the, the whole process here. Yeah. And, and I just love that like, it was so comforting to me to know that this process might mean I arrive somewhere on a very broken piece of a boat that I lost, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. And, and sometimes I like to think I'm one of those people that I'm like, oh, I know how to swim, so I can at least gracefully swim right, myself right. <laughs> to shore and not just like shipwreck there. <laughs> but more often than not, it's the shipwrecked version. Sure. But they still 
like the prophecy was fulfilled just as Paul said, not a life was lost. Yeah, verse 22. And that is so powerful to me that like their commitment to believing God and trusting in his promises. Yeah. Yeah. And it might not have been how they thought. No, it's it's but verse 40. it was exactly how it yeah, was supposed to happen. It's verse 40 and there's such a message there for us. Yes. I know where God wants me to be. Yep. All I have to do is pick up my anchors, cut them, cut this the bands that make me turn left and right that yep. I have control over. We've already got rid of the safety boats. Right. Raise the sail and let God do it. And, yes. and just go where I'm supposed to go. It's uh, again, it's Nephi, right? I'm yes. gonna just go. I don't know how I'm gonna do this. Yes. I'm gonna just walk into town. Best idea we had the first time was to cast lots. The next time it was to send this guy. Yeah. Right? And th this time I'm just gonna go. I have no idea. Nobody else wants to go a third time, just me. Yeah. I'm gonna just walk in. So every time they walked into Jerusalem, it was just straight up, where do you what do you want me to do? I'll just go, I'll do it. I have yes. no idea how it's gonna work, but I'll go. And I'm gonna trust that whatever that process looks like. It's okay. Yeah. And it was a shipwreck. Yeah. By the time they left, they got what they were supposed to get, but yes. everything about their homeland destroyed. Exactly. Right? Like every aspect of going back to Jerusalem is now not on the table anymore. Exactly. Because they listened to God. And yes. what did that do? Well, it allowed for them to do the thing that God actually needed them to do, which was get to the American continent together. Exactly. Right? Be a family, get clear across the ocean together, then you can split up. But don't split up before that. Yeah. Right? They, they accomplished exactly what God's plan was for them. But they had to get their anchors out of the ground. Yep. They had to put the sail up. They had to cut their own ability to steer. And yes. just let the Lord prevail, right? What a message President Nelson's been teaching, oh, right? Let him, so, let him lead you. So powerful. And, and you kind of wonder, at least I wonder, we don't know. We don't, we don't get a record of what happened to these these crewmates, these yeah. other members of the ship after this experience. But don't you wonder, like, that had to have changed right. their life in some way, shape, or form. That experience. Maybe some of them joined the Christian cause because yeah. of it. Maybe some of them didn't. Who knows? But what a powerful experience of letting God prevail. What right. an act of faith. I love it. makes me think of um, the quote by Elder Holland in the video is it called Wrong Roads? Pretty yeah. confident that's yeah. what it's called. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> I couldn't remember. But where he says, I have absolute certain knowledge, perfect knowledge, that God loves us. He is good. He is our Father. And He expects us to pray and trust and be believing and not give up and not panic and not retreat and not jump ship when something doesn't seem to be going just right. We stay in. We keep working, we keep believing, we keep trusting and following that same path. And we will live to fall into his arms and feel his embrace and hear him say, I told you it'd be okay. Yeah. I told you it'd be all right. Yeah, man, I really love that. It is, it is trusting the ship that was built by God. Yeah. Right. You just stay in it and, and maybe it'll crash. Yeah. I mean, okay, if we're just totally, if we just look totally uh, uh, frankly at what's going to happen, Jesus is going to come back. Yeah. And he's going to lead. Yes. Will there be prophets still? Sure. Yeah. Apostles? Sure. But Jesus is going to lead. That's different than what we have right now. It yes. will be a different boat. It will be, it will a, be a big, shiny boat. Much bigger. Right? <laughs> much bigger boat. Much better boat. Yeah. And, and so maybe it's the boat that we're in now all dolled up. But, but it isn't. The boat's not going to crash again. Right? We, yes. we know that that boat's not going to hit the rocks and the back end's going to get torn apart and the front end's stuck. We aren't going to float on logs trying to figure it out on our own. 
We just need to stay in the boat long enough to figure out where I'm going. And in the process of that, man, there's another talk coming to my mind. Is it Elder Renlund's talk where he talks about the driver of the boat being old and smelly and wizened oh. and the boat's all dinged up? Yeah. And, yep, I'm, am I remembering Elder Renlund? And uh, so he tells this story where if you can imagine being out, you know, 10 miles from shore, yep. floating in the ocean, and this dinghy pulls up to pick you up, and you get in the boat, and you're so grateful for his help, and he turns around and starts heading back towards shore, and you start, he gives you some water and some saltines, you've been out there forever, so you're gratefully eating this, this water and saltines, and eventually you kind of notice that you're, you're Boat driver's all beaten up. He's old, wizened guy. Yeah. He's got, you know, skin's fallen off and his hair's disheveled and he just smells bad. He's been out fishing <laughs> or whatever. He's not He's not what you want in a captain to captain your boat. Yeah. And then you start noticing that the boat is smelly. It's got fish guts in the front part of it and it's not, it's not what you want. It's dinged up. The motor kind of doesn't sound like it's going to run forever, but yeah. it's still running. Um, and he just goes through this litany of things that you start noticing. You don't want water. You want like Sprite. You want like, yeah. you, don't want, you want filet mignon. You don't want this, this little cracker that you were given. Yep. And so what do you do? Three miles from shore, you jump out of the boat. And you're like, I don't want to be in that boat. That, that boat. And so where are you? You're back in the ocean doing nothing. Yes. Not, not going to save yourself because the boat didn't look perfect. The driver wasn't a perfect person, right? So many, I think, looking at prophets and apostles find their faults, find yes. their weaknesses, find the way they said a phrase, teaching a really wonderful principle, and take offense by the way they said it. Right. Um, and, and miss the message that was supposed to be given because the method they used was yes. maybe not the best method for them as an yeah. individual. Um, that, that whole idea, I think, is a beautifully stated that we need to stay in the boat, not just because it's Jesus' boat, and he's leading it from afar through these maybe wizened and maybe yeah. not perfect men. But but also, we need to stay in the boat because that's the only way to get to shore. I mean, yeah. you don't have another option. So what are you going to do? You're going to jump out and go where? Exactly. You can't swim that far. And it's so interesting, too, because it makes you, you wonder, like, at this point, by the time Paul is having this experience, he has been in and out of prison a lot, you kind of wonder if he was that guy that right. looked kind of like, <laughs> yeah, like wow, you haven't whoa, shaved in a while. I want to listen to you, man. <laughs> yeah, like, you. when was the last time you took a bath? Yeah. You know, like, he's been in and out of prison and persecuted and and perhaps his appearance, maybe that makes it even better when yeah. he's like, um, sirs. Like, yeah, right. Like, guys, I know you have visually <laughs> no reason to respect what I'm right, saying. Right. But let me tell you what I know. Yeah. And and them listening, I mean they obviously eventually, didn't listen right? yeah. eventually. Yeah. Regardless of is that how they were expecting to get through right. this? No. Right. But and, and then maybe that, that, is how they maybe that message continues into 28, too. Yes. When they were escaped, they knew the island they were on was Melita, and the barbarous people shoot us no little kindness. Yeah. For they kindled a fire. They received us, everyone, because of the present rain, because of the cold. Okay, barbarous, barbarians, is who yeah. we're talking about. In the Old Testament, the word barbarian really just denoted some stranger, yeah. some foreigner, not of your tribe. In the New Testament, when we talk of barbarians, it really is a group of people that lived in the Mediterranean, not Roman, not not Hebrew, yes. right? So, so it's kind of just this unknown group. Yep. And yet, this is the group today we call barbarians, like ruthless and you know, just yes. um, un, 
uncouth kind of people, right? Yes. And, and so we might read that word and think, ooh, these are bad guys. But, but these were just unknowns to them. And yes. these were the people that cared for them and took them in and gave them fire. Which, and they were, what a message to them. Right? And, and for both of these people, right, the Roman crew members on the ship, yeah. this would have been out of their comfort zone to receive help from these yeah. people. And any of the other Jewish or Hebrew descent prisoners that were on the ship, this would have been out of their comfort zone right. to receive help from right. these people. Yeah. But a much broader principle was being taught right. here. For sure. Which I love. And, and it's interesting, and we'll get into this here, that, that uh, you know, Paul goes and gathers some sticks, trying to heat the fire up. And the viper comes out, right? Yes. Bites his hand, is like hanging on his hand. Oh, worst right? nightmare. Long enough, <laughs> long enough for the barbarians to be like, oh, that guy must be a murderer because that snake is like really hanging on his hand. <laughs> yeah. And this whole ship of like thieves and murderers has just crashed off of sh offshore. Yeah. And he shook off the beast into the fire, verse 5, and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he saw have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. <laughs> But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, okay, yeah, I he's love fine. The, yeah, can, this is like such, I love though that it doesn't appear that anyone tried to help him. No. They're just like, this is going to be telling. <laughs> just going to watch him. Yeah. Let's see. Like, either he's really this a viper, good guy. <laughs> they must have been kind of superstitious with vipers, but they were like, yeah, either he's, he should be dropping dead by now, but he's not. So obviously. Right. He's a god? He's fine, then. Yeah. We're, we're going to worship that guy. Yeah. And God with a little g in verse 5, right? Yes. Little g God. <laughs> I, I just think, that, again, uh, there's a message there, right? When, when we are in the Lord's service, even the things that others will see and have us experience um, that would kill another man, maybe doesn't kill us. Yes. Maybe we just get through it. And, uh, and it's a testament to others of our, of our faithfulness, but more, more importantly, the, the Lord's power to, to preserve, right? Absolutely, and and his commitment to his covenant people. I think yeah. it was Elder Renland in his most recent talk on, um, you know, the power of our covenants and the that that tidal wave in the Amazon that mm. he was talking about. Mm -hmm. That I now can't remember the name of. Yeah, I like. Although we personally realize those promises sooner than most. I have some very dear family and friends that are in that. They're in that part of their story. Sure. But what I do know, 100% like Paul, is that God is good, that He loves us, and that His promises are sure. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I also know and recognize that in our storms in the Euroclyde and in, in the prison, in the whatever it feels like to us, man, it can be hard to believe that. Mm -hmm. But if we can believe it enough to just yeah. keep moving forward and keep trying to believe it, if that's all we can do, if we can just keep trying to believe it, I. I believe at some point we get to the point where then we can believe it and then we move through you know that part of our journey but I, I just would say to all of those people who are waiting for those blessings that God has never once forgotten a promise that he has made yeah. 
And that is a promise made to all of us. Yeah. And I know he fully intends on keeping it. Yeah, beautifully said. I love that. I love that message with this message that we've taught today too, right? That, that the journey you're in, the experiences you're having, will help you become what you're supposed to be when that yes. child comes. Yes. Right? When, that, when those experiences happen, even if it's not until the next life. Yes. When those that you are blessed with come, you will be who you need to be to have the mission you need to yes. fulfill. Right? And it's also important to note that nothing that Paul experienced was a punishment. Yeah. Or because he was, like, and he experienced some really rough things. Yeah. And I think some people, because we're hurt and we're longing for something that we haven't realized yet or we haven't gotten to experience yet, sometimes we allow Satan to tell us that it's because mm. we're being punished or yeah. it's because we're not good enough, we're yeah. not whatever. Yeah. And that is not the case at all. Yeah. And, and you look at like what would have happened if Paul would have had a smooth sailing trip to Rome? Mm -hmm. There's about 300 people that would have missed yeah. a very critical experience yeah, or if, because of yeah, that. Yeah, or if Paul had thought, I'm not going to teach until I'm in Rome. Yes. Because that's where my mission is. Yes. Well, he would have missed all the people on the boat, all the people driving yes. the boat, all the, the centurion wouldn't have been taught. Yes. Right? This idea that um, Elder Bednar once shared in another face-to-face -face, uh, young person asked, maybe I've shared this on the podcast before, a young person asked, a uh, young adult said, um, how can we show the Lord that we're ready for mm. the next step, whether it's marriage or children or whatever yeah. it is? How can we show the Lord that we're ready? And he shared his experience in watching a young singles ward Relief Society president who simply said that she lived as if she already had all those blessings. Yeah. She lived as if she already had children because she would eat differently. She would eat on time. She yes. would go to bed at the right, the right hour and she'd get up early and she'd all the things in her life would line up. Paul, as a missionary, called and set apart as a missionary, was a missionary from the moment he was called until the moment his life ended. Yes. Right? Not, once I get to Rome, I'll be a missionary. Yeah, because that's where I'm right? supposed to right? be. Right, that's my, that's my call. Yeah. That's where I'm so, I've called to serve. So once I get to Venezuela, I will then become a missionary. Even though I was set apart last Thursday, and I'm now in the MTC, and I'm a visa waiter in Texas for 15 months, <laughs> right? Yeah. whatever, right? I will become a missionary when I get there, or I'm going to become a missionary because I got the call to become a missionary, right? Yes. Or I got the call to be the young woman's secretary, or whatever the yes. calling is. Man, live that calling. Just live it as if you already have all the blessings coming from it. Yes. Marriage, or children, or whatever 100%. it might be. 100%. Right? And that. I think that makes the journey, there is, as Viktor Frankl would say, there's purpose to the suffering then. Yeah. As long as we might be suffering, we can have purpose in that and not just be, you know, objects yeah. experiencing suffering, yeah. but we get to be agents learning and growing and moving purposefully driven through it. Love that. Anytime we can end on a Victor Franco. Hi, amen. We should do <laughs> amen. Sister Troutman, thank you for being with us. Can we have you back on? Absolutely. Okay, Thanks for is, having this me. This has been so fun. Thank you.